Welcome to the Movers Mindset Podcast, where I interview movement enthusiasts to find out who they are, what they do, and why they do it. In this episode, Cordelia Storm unpacks her thoughts about accessibility, the effects of a gym on a community, and her motivation for learning flips. She delves into her personal journey as well as her relationship with competition. Cordelia mentions her documentary project and finishes by tackling the concepts of gender, age, and representation in the parkour space. So I always say the hardest part of these things is deciding how do we start. So there, that's the start. Uh, so Cordelia, it's a pleasure to get to sit down and finally talk to you in person. We've exchanged a whole bunch of emails and I don't know, have we been on, we haven't Skyped yet. No, I think we've talked on the phone talked once. The phone yeah. once. <laughs> talked on the phone once and I think I met you first at AOR, yes. part of last year's Art of a Treat. What set, do you remember? Oh, that was John's, that was Hedge's session. Yes. Hedge is like a, like a, I don't know, it's, it's like in your face. I love it. So I tell the story. Okay, part of this second tell stories. I don't know. I think there's something about Scotsmen, Americans and Scotsmen. We get along great. At AOR at the party afterwards, there was no alcohol. It was just like pizza. And I walk in and I have you know in that on the fifth floor whatever it was, I have a slice of pizza and I hear somebody yell my name, Greg, and like the people part. I'm not exaggerating. And <laughs> Hedge runs like ten yards across the room, and I'm like, whoa! And I realize at like three feet when he leaps into the air and tries to chest slam me. I'm like, what? You know, until so like bounces off me. And so yeah, so I have to give the Scotsman's credit. He didn't move me at all three times. I knocked him back. <laughs> but I have to give him credit for like being indomitable. He just like came at me. Anyway, um, so yeah, well that's. I think that's the first time I actually met you in person was in at the end of Hedge's session when he opened up the discussion for just talking about um, all that I have left is the pyramid with the squiggle line, everybody's path being different. So I actually wasn't at that session. Oh, perfect. <laughs> but I, I like the story. I, I like what I'm wrong. That would be funny. You're like, that wasn't I'm me. Like, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, I think I, yeah, I just knew of you. And Uh-oh. then I knew you by reputation. Is that, is that good or is it bad? Like, <laughs> uh, good so far. I'm, not, I'm actually not used to people knowing who I am, but it, it, in hindsight, it's obvious because I'm always like the person in the back, like, I wish I could jump. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I have a lot of respect for uh, people who are outside of the stereotype of parkour. I think that's ideally where, like, so I'm personally a competitive athlete mm-hmm. and um I also struggle a lot in the competitive scene is my perspective of it. Um, so I have a lot of appreciation for people who push themselves um, and don't have that like quote unquote natural talent, whatever you describe talent as. Um, and I'm the whole shape where the talent goes, right? <laughs> and then, um, yeah, because I really like if we want parkour to be accessible, it has to be accessible to the mass population of people and the vast majority of people are not athletic. And I think yeah, there's a big relatable. Yeah. There's a big problem in parkour. Where we're like, Oh, a Kong vault is a basic movement, but then that alienates 90% of the population. Me. You know? So Kong is my nemesis. I, I think I've actually learned to do the Kong vault like five times. Like I've conquered it. And then every time I come back, it's like fail. And it's, yes, I totally understand. Yeah. It's a very high end strength based movement, depending on like your perception of it. You know, if you grew up naturally athletic, it's not going to, I didn't grow up naturally athletic at all. I played a lot of video games and I hated PE mm. and I, and most of it was like some family rock climbing. So I wouldn't really call that like athletic, you know, it was just kind of right. like hanging out on the rock wall. But yeah, I really loved video games and I was like a big D and D nerd and that's kind of mm. my draw so, of it. So, yeah. Uh, put a pin in the map. Where are you, where are you these days and where are you from? Just people who don't know. I'm like, not exactly sure where you're from originally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I grew up in Seattle, actually 
here. Yeah. Not here, here, but yeah, like we're, we're, we're in Washington. We're at Art currently. of Retreat at the... Uh, um, Leavenworth. Yeah, outside of Leavenworth, it's uh, the Wenatchee, Lake Wenatchee. Lake Wenatchee. Lake Wenatchee. Nice. Uh, in the <laughs> unbelievably over-the-top gorgeous Cascade Mountains. Uh, how did you get up here? Did you come up from Leavenworth? Uh, yeah, I just took my car. <sighs> oh, yeah, that would make sense. I this to... is normal for me. I'm just like, yeah, I just walk into an elven forest and that's oh, my backyard. And... Outstanding. It is <laughs> It is really gorgeous. And it's prime leaf peeping season. So it was gorgeous. Anyway, I didn't mean to derail you. So you're originally from... So yeah, Seattle. grew up in Seattle. Um have a dual citizenship with England, which is super, or the UK, super randomly. Um, but grew, so sometimes people feel like I have an accent to some minor, like, are you Canadian? But I'm not. Right. It's like, I don't know. Okay. Sometimes the thing, I say weird things like uh, garage and herb and um, other than that, got a pretty uh, American accent. But, okay. um, <laughs> but yeah, so grew up in Seattle, uh, started parkour. Okay, so before parkour, I was a big theater kid, like techie type, lighting designer, stage manager, director, mm. and went to film school in Vancouver Film School in Vancouver, BC. And during that one-year program in Vancouver Film School, I saw a documentary on parkour, which was actually Renee Scavington, like way back oh. in the day, a uh, student film. And that stayed in the back of my head. And then um, at the and during the end of film school, I um, the full story is I developed bulimia when I was in film school. So I was like, I'm in a big city and I want to be thin. And that's a thing that girls do, I suppose. Right. And when I got back from film school, I, no problem, <laughs> I moved back to Seattle and I um, didn't really have any avenue for what I was doing with film or theater. Like I wasn't really super inspired, but I was really inspired to get really thin uh, and throw up. So I... <laughs> well, we're laughing, but I, I, <laughs> I'm pretty, I'm pretty open about it. I don't mean to laugh at yeah. that. That's, but yes. It's uh, it's, it is what it is. Um, and I took like every single class I could. I tried like a karate class and tried aerials and I tried um, like a personal trainer and like weightlifting and all this stuff. And the thing that stuck was parkour. Hmm. Like it, it had hmm. me just love my body and love the feeling of play. And I didn't quite know why at the time. And, and where did you, where did you start that? I'm just curious. Oh yeah. That was at Parkour Visions before it was Parkour Visions, the Pacific Northwest Parkour Association, the Penelope. <laughs> so that's before my, I didn't know about that, that particular yeah. organization that's before my. It was like 2009, I think about that, 2008, 2009. And then learned a lot from there. Like at the time, like that was when Rafe Kelly was um, really heavily involved and, did a lot of mobility certifications, just kind of like through osmosis, just ended up coaching. Um, there's like a lot I could share about that journey. Um, but yeah, basically I ended up at one point I decided to move out to visit Colorado and Amos offered me a job. And um, so I moved to Boulder for a while and kind of worked my way up, became head coach at uh, Apex Boulder when it still existed. And then I fell foolishly madly in love and moved to San Diego. <laughs> I, I highly yeah. recommend that. I, I'm <laughs> oh, it's great. delightfully happily married to, to read the joke about behind every good man, there's a woman rolling her eyes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so Christopher Hollingsworth, the very twisty man is, is my husband and so glad I got to do that. Um, <laughs> that wasn't a laugh. That, that was me coughing. I'm getting over the flu. I was not laughing. That was me coughing. <laughs> so I moved to San Diego, uh, worked in a gymnastics gym, teaching parkour, which is full of all kinds of terrible, fun experiences to talk about. And then ended up moving back to Colorado, working at Apex off and on, and then moved out to Seattle and um, caught the tail end of Parkour Visions before we lost our gym. Mm -hmm. Been working for Parkour Visions now, and I'm now program director. And that's been most of my journey for the most part. There's a few other things here and there, but mm -hmm. yeah. I'm just like, uh, okay, 17... 
He's an old movie. I love, I'm like a cinephile. An old movie reference to Rodney Dangerfield in Back to School. I have one question for you in 37 parts. But like one thing um, that someone said, if you ever get a chance to talk to Cordelia, ask her, what's it like to, and this is kind of me, but what's it like to have the gym pulled out from underneath you? Mm. And I don't mean the details of, the, of like what happened, but I just mean like, um, I would presume, so there, there's a gym in the community where I train, but I don't really think of the gym as my home, but I would presume that since you were way more involved that it would feel like home and then to suddenly have whatever situations arise and then you lose that spot, like what does that do to you emotionally or maybe it does nothing or like how does that how does that play out? Yeah, it definitely changed the community in a lot of ways. Um, it's uh, Having a gym is very much like a clubhouse experience. Like it's like a physical location mm-hmm. for everybody to go and hang out and if, especially if it's raining, it's a huge luxury really thankful for Caitlin Pentrella coming out because she just happened to get hired as her executive director. Um, Tyson stepped down because he, you know, wanted to move on to other things. And yeah, she basically, because she'd come from movement creative, which never had a gym, she was completely able to, to just work with that and flow with that. And it's been, we're currently at a transition point where we're working or I'm really working on as program director, empowering the coaches to like build mini communities within their classes. Mm-hmm. Cause as opposed to a gym where you kind of like have that, here's my hours, I show up, I like, you're already kind of doing like the community building already kind of is established. Cause it's like a physical location and there's like a front desk person greeting you. And, right. you know, so it's just a different culture having outdoor classes. And it's been a interesting experiment how to have that shift. Don't get sick, kids. <laughs> oh, I'm like struggling and trying not to choke to death on my cough drop. Um, <laughs> That'd be a bad podcast. <laughs> and then he died. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! If you'd be like, and and like, how you'd be like, like how guys, do you um, how do you stop the recorder? He's dying on the floor. Uh, in case that actually happens, it's this square button here, or you can just <laughs> yank the mic cords out. Neither one would do it. I feel like that'd be the least of my concerns at that point. Like, that's not be my first choice. Like, oh shoot, I need to turn off the recording. Like, <laughs> oh man, see, this is why I'm like, huh? I don't know. These are these, these conversations can go either way. Yeah. So. I always have like, I can talk. I mean, I can just like, blah, 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 blah. and I'm, so I'm always torn between, yeah, okay, I understand what you're saying, but I'm, I'm just trying to wrap my brain around, like, I feel like to me that would be like a sucker punch. Like, I'd be just like, oh, my home disappeared. And I'm just wondering, like, personally, like, you know, so like one day you got up and you had a place to go, you knew you had this place, this, this uh, uh, home base is the word I'm looking for. So one day you got up, you had the home base, the next day you got up and the home base is gone and like, did that like uh, make you want to like no route the gym's charge we're gonna solve this or did it just make you like oh where the you know where the Cheetos kind of like that'd be my reaction when I stress I eat that's like that's not a joke it's like no I I totally understand that Um, (laughs) as someone who's gone through bulimia I'm totally like yeah that's a thing I mean that jokingly and lightheartedly not like a serious like (laughs) I don't know if I just got really intense with that but awkward awkward no just um. Emotional eating. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, people had a lot of different reactions. Like we had one friend, um, she's 17, she trains there and it was like, you know, that's her space to get to hang out after school. And like that was a very Mm -hmm. emotional thing for her. And I know um, a couple of our coaches, it was very emotional. There was a lot of people were just like, are we actually going to survive this? Mm -hmm. Um, And I was a big proponent for, yes, this is going to work because coincidentally I had just started a uh, class at Magnuson Community Center working with a nonprofit solid ground that does like low income housing. And so I just happened to have started that up because it's something I've been like, this is something parkour should do. And we had, you know, we hadn't 
done much low income type free classes for a while. But so I had just gotten a random in with the community center and it was like, okay, well, cool. Let's just keep plowing along. And so I was a big, I, I'm a very, like, I'm a very planner type personality. So I'm like, okay, cool. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And so for me personally, I, I was pretty fine with it on like the, what are we going to do next kind of level? But also for me, I'm, I'm very, I totally love having a gym space. Like I love having mats to work on flips. I'm a very like, I'm interested in flips. I'm also very yeah, interested I was gonna say in also the flips. Every yeah. time I see your videos of flips, I'm like, I, I, I joke, I'm going to wear a t-shirt that says this end up. I'm not kidding. Right. <laughs> the other side of the shirt says, I'm sorry. I have already forgotten your name. I'm really good with faces. I always go, I know who you are, but I don't remember your name. Um, but you're like really into flips and what's with that? Yeah. So maybe this sounds kind of dorky, but the way that I think of it is like, if parkour is like overcoming obstacles, flips are overcoming yourself. So like, there's a, there's a level of like, I'm, I'm fascinated with like pushing myself and personal fears for better or for worse. So that it includes a lot of frustration, <laughs> but there's a, there's a level of me that wants to be like one of the best athletes in the world. And I don't come from a athletic background at all. So that's like, I'm like, I want to be doing doubles and triples and I want to be doing like roof gaps and like all that. And, you know, I'm just, I'm absolutely fascinated with what it means to be like a, um, you know, like just what you see when you see parkour. Like, I'm just like, I grew up in video games. I was like, I want to be Tomb Raider. Like, that's, that's me. Let me be Laura Croft, you know? And so it's super irrational and, um, yeah, I'm fascinated with it. I can't stop. And sometimes I get really frustrated about it, but it's totally worth it. And I wouldn't be doing anything else. I've done, I think I've done a total of like two attempted flips on a tumble track. And on the second one, I like sprained my neck. Mm. And then Andy, blue Andy, Andy Taylor. Blue Andy. Um, <laughs> There's red Andy and blue and green Andy. There, there are. I don't know. Oh, no. <laughs> I just don't envision oh, no. people say oh. blue somebody. <laughs> like different modes. No, 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 red so, wizard no, needs food really, no, badly. Please guess. Oh, my God. You did not just yeah. quote. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I spent on many okay. I spent many years at roller skating rinks. You and I are not the same generation. I'm sorry. I spent many years at roller skating rinks in the '80s, and they used to have when that when that came out, and they had like a tabletop version of it, and it was always yeah. wizard oh, yeah, I know. food badly. Mm -hmm. It was never went to the wizard. Anyway, I was like, oh, blue Andy. No, no, Andy. Do you know? Do you know who Andy? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Speak. Use your words. Do you know who Andy Taylor is? Yes, you've already answered my question. Well, everybody just calls him Blue Andy because uh, his hair's blue. So blue, uh, blue Andy and I have sort of this, this weird relationship where like we get along. I, I don't know. It's just like some people look at me and they go, I don't know. Andy's a little, I'm like, we get along great. So I went down there one time and I said, Andy, I hate flips. I don't want to do flips. And he goes, well, guess what? You get in the foam pit. Mm -hmm. So he made me, how did he do that? We like went down the tumble track and I said, oh, I've been avoiding the tumble track. So it's like the flips freak the bleep out of me. So when I see you doing flips, I'm just like, oh, I don't even look at that. It makes me like want to freak out. So Andy's like, well, okay, down the tumble track. And uh, we're basically doing the Sonic Hedgehog. Okay, I'm so old. Like Sonic is like, I was out of video games when they invented, right? But anyway, apparently <laughs> the Sonic Hedgehog thing looks like how you would do a front tuck. You know, where you reach up and then like kind of dive over and arc your back. Like everybody's going, yes, Craig, Sonic the Hedgehog, move on. So I did a bunch of Sonic Hedgehogs and like on the sixth one of the foam pit, it was like, oh, I need to stop doing that or I'm going to vomit in the foam pit. You know, it's like, and, and then I, I've been back a few times to the gym and no matter how many times I try them, I just Do you get dizzy? Like, or yeah, nauseous? I get dizzy, get dizzy. That's a really common thing, honestly. Like, and 
it's actually like people in your age group. I don't know what that is, but it's not. I'm sorry. I don't know if that's a bad. You cut, but. You cut me deep, Shrek. <laughs> Do you know that one? But, <laughs> no. <gasps> I mean. You didn't see the original Shrek. I Like years ago. I oh, never okay. was like into the Shrek. Oh, I was Eddie Murphy. <laughs> you might have seen a house fly. You might have seen a super fly. You ain't even seen a doggy What's fly. the appropriate way to say that? I don't know. What? <laughs> to be like, I don't know. It's like the age, like age groups thing or like what? Yeah, no, it's ageism. It's cool. You can call me old. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, what, what um, oh, that's common in my age group. Um, no, but you, you're right. Um, Tracy, um, my wife, Tracy, is not a big fan of heights, I guess. Would be and I'm just fascinated. Like, why does that happen? I totally don't know. Like, is it just um, a lack of rotation over a number of um, well, years? My, like, I don't... Uh, you know what a swag is? A SWAG, scientific wild ass guess. My swag <laughs> is that. Um, it's not the swag I know. Yeah. Well, my, oh, very astute. Um, the weird thing is we're sitting in a dark room. So it's kind of like I can kind of, we can kind of see each other. Um, so my scientific wild ass guess is that the inner ear, the, um, the, uh, yeah, the, yeah, little, yeah. the little tubes that with the, the, what do you call it? The, oh, I know what you're talking about. There are two signs of old age. First sign of old age, you start to forget things. Second sign of old age is. I don't remember what the second one is. But anyway, the, there are, I think that the, the fluid contents and the sensitivity changes. So you become more sensitive to subtle motions. I, I used to, I used to sail a lot when I was younger and I never got seasick. And then the other day I was on a ferry ride from, I don't know, Departure Bay to Horseshoe Bay on the way to Vancouver. And like the boat started moving and I was like, whoa. So I think there's just something about age the combination of not doing those movements like, you know, okay, all you people listening out there literally right now, when's the last time you were upside down? Right. If you're, totally. yeah, if you're like a parkour person listening, oh, I just do handstand pushups yesterday. But like, you know, my mom has not been upside down on purpose for, you know, like 40 years. Um, so I think it's just a combination of being in, unfamiliar with it. I mean, I, I spent the many years <laughs> doing a few roles in Aikido so like I have been upside down thousands, maybe tens of thousands of times, you know, in the air, doing break falls, doing forward rolls, side rolls, back rolls, you know, like, you know, eyes closed. And it was like, I used to be able to do it. And then now it's like, roll, roll, roll. Okay. That's enough. You know, it's, I don't know. You think it's recoverable or you think it's like just a, I don't know, uh, over time sort of thing? It's one of those things where like, I have a, I have two columns. I have hell yes. And the other column is no. And like after, I mean, everybody's been ill when you get like three third roll and you're like, I don't ever want to do that again. Like, and I avoid that feeling. So if I, if it is recoverable, I really don't feel like putting any effort into getting it back. Um, Valid. um cause all the times that I've been like flipped over unexpectedly, you know, like rail bales or like, yeah, you know, and the, the panic grab and you get the quick whip around mm -hmm. those don't make me dizzy. Um, and I don't know, maybe it's the adrenaline counters the thing. Like it, it might just be, lazy spotting like maybe it's not the fact that i did three flips excuse me not that i did three flips maybe it's the fact that the third one i was getting lazy and then the fourth one makes me dizzy i don't know you don't get you're saying you're, you're telling me you don't get dizzy when you do like like so let's say you're going to work on what was the last thing i think i saw you working on was front flips i think i saw you doing front flips off lower and lower boxes onto like less and less crash mat you're working up like a standing front is mm -hmm. that so certain, like how many of those yeah. what i was going to say is how many of those do you do like in a one particular session I mean, I I wouldn't say a huge amount. Probably no more than a handful, or two. And and like so, let's say you do four. Then what makes you stop on the fourth one and not do the fifth one? So okay, so usually what usually what has me stop? There's kind of there's kind of two things. There's like me working on a line, in which that case I don't really spend a lot of time on like the flip itself. It's mm -hmm. just kind of like that's in my repertoire, and I don't do a lot of it because sometimes it's really scary to do flips on hard ground. And but if I'm like working flips, I might do like an hour of 
various flips, but I wouldn't spend, but I wouldn't spend like, Whoa. it's not constant movement. It's not like you're like CrossFit constant movement style. It's like do a flip. Okay. think about it and spend like a minute or two and then be lazy and then go back up and do it again. Like, um, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I find that the, the cumulative one, two, three, four on the floor is that like a few minutes isn't enough for me to recover. And I mean, I'm like, I guess I know all the tricks about the pressure points on top of the stomach and like how to breathe and, and calm your central nervous system, but it doesn't recover very quickly for me. But. Yeah. I spent a lot of time exploring like nervous system recovery. Like I'm really susceptible to like adrenal fatigue. I don't know if you know mm. that one. I, I mean, uh, I know, I know like the, sorry, my vocabulary look up failed. I want to say pop side, but it's not like, I know like yeah, the yeah, general exactly. understanding yeah. of how it is, but I haven't really looked at the and I'm def- Yeah. I'm definitely not like a, a hard scientist around it, but I've, I've had the experience of like being overstressed and drinking mm. too much coffee and like the accumulation of stress just makes me crash. What, what is this? What did you say? Too much coffee? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> I mean like, cause coffee activates yeah, your adrenaline. So actually the coffee, uh, I have trouble with the words in a sentence is putting. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It's a handy drug. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So, I, I love coffee, but it makes me anxious is like if I drink too much of it or, um, so like I usually only use coffee when I'm competing and it like, I'm wrecked for like the week after. So I like a very mm-hmm. negative reaction to coffee, like on the day it's freaking great, but like the day after, or have you ever looked into, uh, I don't know the name. There's a gene, like a human gene. There's a gene which affects the rate at which you process caffeine. Uh, I have not, yeah, but I'd be open to it. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely have a slower metabolism, so it stays in my body. I'm sure longer, like yeah, I can feel the effects longer. Yeah. There's like a gene. And I, I think my guess would be that I have the quicker one, the quicker processing one, mm. because it doesn't seem to uh, affect me for as long a period. But yeah, anyway, we're off on coffee, coffee. I love coffee. I can't wait to get home and drink the coffee that I like. Um, oh, it tastes great. I'm totally addicted to it, but I just can't. I just got to do the decaf. <laughs> I'll <laughs> yeah. stop myself. Yeah. Uh, many times, <laughs> many times I've said this podcast is brought to you by coffee and the only way it gets, I mean, <laughs> this is fun, but the only way it gets better is when I get to interview people who have dogs. I love dogs. My favorite breed of dog is yes. And so I got to interview, um, Dylan Johansson, uh, at his house and, Part of the, the only reason I do this is because I love all of the memories I have for all the fun people that I got to talk to and all the places where I got to talk to them. So every time I hear this conversation, I'll be like drawn back to the lodge here with the people in the back. Oh, anyway, Dylan has a great dog named Tesla, which is this giant female pit bull. And she's a total love hound. She never barks. All she wants is to be scratched. So there'd be like these long periods where I'm like scratching the dog, you know, I'm like away from the microphone. And then Dylan would stop talking and he'd be like, you, you want to ask me another question? <laughs> I'm like, um, no, I'm scratching your dog. So this podcast brought to you by coffee and dogs. I'm a cat person. I'm sorry. Ooh. <laughs> I, I, okay. Cats. Yes. Um, you know, there's between cats and dogs. I'm not a cat person. Um, <laughs> to dogs, your family, to cats, your staff. The, the, the issue that I have with cats is I'm, I'm actually pretty allergic to cats. However, oh, that would be a, 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 well, like, okay. But issue. however, um, when I was little, <laughs> when I was little, it used to be like bad, like you get like one cat hair in my nose. I'd be like sneeze fits, I swell up and we had to leave wherever it was that we had been at. So I have this habit of like not sitting on sofas in general because if there's a cat around, the cat's been on the sofa. Um, and I found, um, not that I am by any means of the, any stretch of imagination skinny now, but I'm a heck of a lot skinnier than I was. I found that when I started changing what I was eating to try and reduce general inflammation and losing weight, I found that this is not me saying I'm going to pet or have a cat, but I found that cats don't bother me as much now. 
Um, Ooh, so that's cool. I think it's a combination of, and I, you know what? I've just begun scratching my hand. Did you notice that? I'm, I'm like scratching my hand all of a sudden as if I'm having an allergic reaction to a cat that is not here. But I found that when I lowered, I believe when I lowered the general inflammation levels, then like the addition of a cat allergy, it isn't such a train wreck anymore. So yeah, it's like not such a big stress on the system. I think so. So you're going to get a cat, right? Like that's the next. <laughs> no. Or like 20. I don't know. <laughs> Oh, Cordelia, you're gonna kill me. <laughs> so I don't know if if you all don't know something about me and Christopher is that we're actually crazy cat people, and we'll someday have like 20 cats. So <laughs> yeah. I'm glad we're not at your house. I don't we actually don't have in. a cat right now. We have a, a Brandy Laird living with us, and she um, is our substitute cat. I would so. say Brandy Laird is a cool cat. I yeah, would, she's I, a super. I, cool I would cat. say cool cat. Yeah, she'd probably prefer raccoon over a cat, but yeah, she, that's how she had to identify. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So let's see. I wanted to ask you about the gym. I wanted to ask you about flips. I still don't understand flips, but okay. At least that gives us some insight into flips. Yeah. Competition. I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you, why? <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Um, only because for me, I'm just like, uh, no, like I would never. And I, I, so it's kind of a tangent. One of my favorite things I've ever heard out of Caitlin Pentrella's mouth. And there's lots of things that she said that are amazing, but she talked about a, article about why people show up to classes or why people do activities. And there's like four different kind of personality types that come out of that. And one of them is there's like the socializer who's like someone that's there for the community experience. Mm -hmm. Right. And then there's the enthusiast, someone who's like, oh, I'll just do any challenge. I'm just totally down to try whatever. Um, then there is the exerciser. So like, you know, a CrossFitter type or someone who's just down to sweat. And then the last one is a competitor who either competes with other people or themselves. And I would definitely relate to myself as like a competitor type. I, for better or for worse, I would definitely say like, I won't lie. Some of it started out with straight up jealousy. When I first started parkour, I had that like bulimia is very much about like, I'm not good enough and that, and I need to fix that. And even though I'd gone through therapy and, and stopped doing those actions, I still took that same mindset and brought it right into my parkour. And I started out with uh, another amazing athlete, Justin Sweeney. Um, he's kind of on the down low now, but he is just a fantastic athlete. And I, like, we took our first few classes together and he was from Hawaii, he climbed on trees all the time and he just like shot off with like skill level. And my first experience was like, I want to do that. And how come I can't? And it was such a, an, it was such a like kind of bipolar experience. Cause at one point I was like, I love movement. This is really like helping my experience of myself you know and I love playing this feels like like oh I've never had the experience of my body being good you know because that's that's the beauty of, of movement is you get connected to your body almost like on a meditative right. level well, right like rediscover this is how the body should work yeah and then all of a sudden it's like oh I'm not exercising to be thin I'm just exercising because I love the way it feels um so there was that and then there was also this huge driving jealousy of I need to be better I need to fix myself and I think my first few competitions were very much in that vein. And um, I remember at times people being like, do you even like parkour? Because you're really upset. <laughs> um, and well, that, like, so, yeah. you, so you went at, I, I really, really apologize for sounding like I'm dying. But so, you, so you're saying you actually went at it, maybe not in an angry fashion, but like you actually like attacked the competition. Like, 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 like go train like a yeah, like charge. And, and I wouldn't say I'm not a personality type who's actually motivated by like trying to fix myself. Like I'm actually a very self-destructive personality type with that. Well, where I'd be like, okay, I'm going to try to get better. And then I'd like plan things out and then I would show up and I would just hate it. And I would just give up and be like, oh, what's the point? It was kind of like this repetitive pattern. And so I spent a lot of time like 
actually just analyzing that. Um, something that I've done a lot of programs in is something called Landmark, which is like a personal and professional development kind of programs. And through that, I really like actually was able to put words to that experience that I'm describing now and just looking at where that came from, like looking at, you know, past experiences and things. And um, I end up, there's a program called the advanced course, which is, which is, there's like a, something called the curriculum for living, which is like, basically the first one is about you and like what holds you back. And like, uh, I'm talking very generalizations, but like what, um, like what in your past are you kind of holding on to so that you can't like move on to the future. And like, for me, I had this, um, I have this memory of like the second grade of coming back from school and getting yelled at by a teacher and um, or coming back from recess and getting yelled at by a teacher and that point making it mean like I can never mess up and I can never be embarrassed ever again. And then like fast forward, I'm trying to learn backflips. Ooh, the fan stopped. Wow. <laughs> and like, what just happened? <laughs> yeah. And like, so fast forward to parkour land and I'm like trying to learn backflips and I'm just like, I can't be embarrassed in front of people. Like that's like the filter I see my life through. Right. Mm. So, um, so that's something I'm very interested in is what felt like, what ways do we perceive life and how does that affect our, our experience and our motivation? And, but in the second course, the advanced course, it's all about how do you relate to your level of self um, instead of as individual, how you relate to community, how do you relate to the world, right? Mm -hmm. um, so it really kind of elevates your, I don't know, like purpose in a way. And it's and it's a very like Socratic method in the way that it's taught. So it's like you get to discover for yourself. And I remember, so Lululemon, um, the clothing line, they mm -hmm. actually have their managers do landmark. And I remember sitting there and kind of just being bratty and I'm sitting in the class and, and, um, it's raised my hand. And I'm just like, why are we talking about all these like conceptual hypothetical things? Like, why are, why are we actually talking about real problems? And the advanced course leader, like, she's like, well, what do you want to talk about? Just genuinely. And I, and I, I'm standing there in, a, in like with a hundred people in the room and I'm just like, I don't even know what to say. And I look over and I see the women of Lululemon, like the managers and for whatever reason, I just start bawling. And I was not someone who would cry in front of people, but I just, tears start rolling down my face. And I'm like, why? Like, why did you use thin models? Because that really affected me. Like, I was bulimic for many years. And like, that's something people deal with. You know, like, it's a huge issue. And, and, and like positive things came out of that. Like, I talked to them later and things. But I got in that moment that I never knew this, but I, my voice didn't matter. And in that moment, I realized that my voice did matter. And from that moment on, I had this huge, almost like transformation of being like, well, my voice does matter. Now what? <laughs> and then from then on, I, that just became a big passion to have people love movement and love feeling their bodies and, you know, and like playing. And um, the third program that they have in their curriculum for living, as they call it, is the self-expression leadership program where you create a project where you get to, it has to be any project that contributes to the world. And mine was um, fundraising to go to India to teach parkour at an orphanage. I also did, uh, I also created um, a week-long international gathering with workshops. And that was the first time that ever happened in, in, um, in India, as far as I know. Uh, I could be wrong about that, but it was a pretty big event, um, brought over a bunch of guys from Apex and, um, me and Jake Smith lived in Mumbai for about a month and taught an orphanage. And there's still Sirius Khan is a, a parkour athlete who's still teaching those classes to this day. And there, uh, yeah. So it's, so through all this experience, I really got like, it's just so much more valuable to be out there with people and to be for people. And I guess like, this is a very long winded answer to why 
competitive no, competition. I'm, I'm actually <laughs> rather pissed off that I'm busy choking to death, so I'm having trouble actually listening. And I, people, it's okay, it's recorded. So well, I, I honestly don't care what anybody in the world thinks of me. But and, and now I've interrupted you. Like you're trying to tell like an honest, important story that's really useful here, and I'm over here coughing and like trying to distract you. It's all good. There's more. <laughs> But, Please continue. Yeah, I'm yeah. really like uh, we're wearing headphones, so if I fall on the floor, I can still hear everything she says. I'm just like choking. <laughs> when I so after that, as I'm starting to kind of really explore, like what does it mean to be, you know, what is the level of self as community or as world? Like what do I actually what do I actually want to do? And getting less interested in fixing myself, I met Christopher, and yeah, I just remember. So I had a terrible relationship with backflips. So speaking of flips, um, I had wanted to do backflips for a long, long time. I was like, I want to be able to do a backflip. That's just like a thing I want to do. And I was so resigned about it. I literally didn't do backflips for, didn't even try to do backflips. So I was just like, this is scary. I'll never be able to do that was like my relationship with backflips. I meet him and he was just willing to work with that through me or work with Work, me, work through that work with through you. that with me yeah yeah words um <laughs> <laughs> words in orders and, yeah and i remember i remember specific sessions like being at the gymnastics gym with him um down in san diego and again like crying because like emotional stuff is coming up and he was the first person to actually just put that much level of like love and attention into it and just be in like sometimes hard love and being like you want to do this, you're, you're going to do a backflip. You yeah, can do this job. when you're emotional. Right. And for me, there was a big block of, I can't be emotional around people. So it wasn't even about the backflip. It was around overcoming mm. that experience. Like I can't cry and then do, you know, look like a fool in front of people while I'm jumping into a foam pit. Like I'm just doing something simple. This would be, you know, like my brain would just go off about like how stupid I'm looking and blah, blah. But like through that, what he started doing was he was like, you need to film yourself so you can see your technique and see what's missing and, and, go from there. Like, and I couldn't, I like could not watch myself. I was like, hey, okay. And I could, I, I'm like, yeah. mm, okay, I should video this con. I'm like, I don't want to look at this. Yeah. So it, I was terrified to watch myself. I still had fairly like off and on bad body image. And because of eventually I just started posting them on Instagram, you know, like I was like, okay, fine, I'll do this. And I just, I don't I don't remember exactly why the decision happened, but I started posting them and just got so much positive like reception, you know, and, and I really got that people are really drawn to my Instagram because of just me posting reality of like, it's not easy. And like, here's my process. And sometimes it's great. And sometimes it's not. And yeah, two steps know. forward, one step back. Yeah. And, um, so I really think the, like the following, whatever that I have is like, is just because of me being honest all the yeah, time. So like and, an honest following for an offer, honest content. Yeah. Um, Oh, I almost feel like I should be taking notes. Oh, oh yeah. But um, I keep I keep forgetting your question about competition. But um, for competition, I I can c continuously show up for that reason, I think. It's because, one, I love to push myself. And I've learned to experience flow state from, specifically from like... Yeah, I was going to say, so how, how is... How is um, how has uh, your experience of competition before... Can you like... Man, there, there, we started talking about it. And now we're coming back to competitions. So they're like yeah. bookends and they're very far apart, like for the listeners. So I'm like, can you, can you repeat your totally. initial yeah, experience yeah. and now give us the new experience that they're close together in time here? Um, so my initial experience was embarrassment and I'm the worst person here. And yeah, like I can't even do some of the jumps or like, right. and also some of, the, some of NAPC's original 
like first years. North American parkour competition. Yeah, championships. <laughs> North American parkour sorry, championships. Sorry, my bad. They're not just a competition. They're champions. Um, they, they, they were not like suited towards women and they're in like, it just was not fun. And there were certain jumps that just, I could not do. And I was terrified and I was just so humiliated. And when I got into, and so that's, that's how it started out. Um, and then the flip side of it is really getting that it's not like that didn't actually happen. Like I had, like I had, I had an experience of like my emotions are real and I am humiliated and this is terrible and I'm so embarrassed, but like, that's not reality. It's just something that like occurred for me. Right. Um, and to be able to experience that is just, it's just something that occurred. I don't have a relationship with like, that's the reality of that's what's happening in competition. So now I now have the the tools to craft, like, what is this experience happening in reality and kind of keep grounding myself. And when I do that, I can kind of create my own occurrence of it my own experience of it. And so I get to look at, well, every time that I go to a competition, I learn something. Every time I go to a competition, I'm confronted, but it doesn't, it's just like, it's almost like clockwork. I actually had this, okay, another tangent about flips. I had this um, really big breakthrough about backflips recently. Cause I, so I had backflips on hard ground for about five years ago and then I stopped doing them. And now I'm still, I kept getting disenchanted about getting them back. Cause it's just, so it's been this build build up, but um, but I'm committed to getting those damn things back. Uh, <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm working on my backflips, and I realize that. So the way that I usually think about backflips is like the two cues in my head are arms up and tuck, right? And I used to always have it that I needed to fix the fear, like I need to like okay, I need to work on all these mindset techniques that I'll be better at the fear, and then I'll make the fear disappear, and blah blah, and. All of a sudden, I got this realization that the fear is just part, like like it's a physiological sensation. as nothing, fear. Yeah, it has nothing to do with um, anything I need to fix or or change. So I started just playing with backflips on my trampoline in my backyard. And instead of it being arms up and tuck, it was fear, arms up, tuck. <laughs> just put this into the pattern. Okay, exactly. that's what we're doing. So it now occurs as like a roller coaster type feeling as opposed to like a physical, like I need to fix this and I can't. And Because I would get like so tensed up about it. So yeah, I'm really interested in like shifting our perceptions. And so that's, that's also applies to competition. And then on top of that, even on the days that I do get like disenchanted and like, I don't want to do this and I'm not going to win and blah, blah, blah. Um, Cause those totally come in. People continuously come to me and, and thank me for competing. And that just is pretty awesome. <laughs> so I'm, I'm appreciative that just by it's, I don't know, it sounds weird to say, but like just by existing and by doing something that is challenging, like people get stuff out of it. And that's something I'm also very inspired in for other people is, is there's lots of ways that you inspire people just by existing, just by being a representation of, you know, whatever. And um, I think quite often we think we need to get somewhere in order to be an inspiration as opposed to just like literally by existing. Being, right. Yeah. Um, I'm just like thinking like, well, that's like, but I don't know if you've ever tried to interview somebody, it's really hard because <laughs> they say things are really interesting. And I'm like, I'm thinking, I'm like, Oh wait, I forgot to talk. I can think of like five things. Um, I just want to say that at some point within about a half an hour, 80 people are going to like come into this lodge, like a herd of excited children. And we're going to have to come to a crashing halt. So like when we end, it's going to be abrupt. I can just, I just know what's going to happen. So I keep glancing at my watch. Like, Whoa, what are we like, so I was actually, I want to like say, um, yeah, women in competitions, like, mm -hmm. is it really, on one hand, I've heard people say, 
it's not fair to have like a women's, I've never like been to or seen competition. I'm like, it's not fair to have like a women's course. Like, come on, brain, not like it's unfair to the guys, but like, why should it's not like, well, let's make a baby course for girls. Like, why don't we just make a course, right? And then there's the beginner and the intermediate. Like, so my one question would be, are the when you've been in competitions, have the courses literally been this is the women's course? It's different from the guys' course, or is it more like they grade the courses like there's a, a B, and C flavors of it, and then they just women expect so, to run the A flavor? Or like, like how does it really work? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I really think Tom and Renee have done a fantastic job at discovering how to do it well, uh, especially with speed courses, which is so. The first couple of years, it was literally like here's the ground is lava, and like it basically be like there's gigantic jumps, and you either just succeed or <laughs> fail like it's like ninja warrior style right like yeah and um that was terrible and especially as a woman you're like well i just can't do that jump i guess i just will be upset right and now it's just go in this direction and here's the checkpoints and they build the the courses in a way so that you like problem solving is part of the course mm-hmm. which which i love because i really think that's what differentiates our obstacle courses from like you know obstacle course racing or ninja warriors like we don't tell you what you should do we just say here's the direction you choose your 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 tool set and someone who like has bigger jumps is, or faster climbing You're or like willing sprinting to take like the running plyo to a bar if they're willing yeah, to take exactly. that risk yeah exactly like it's like there's so it, the course is just built in a way that it's like Part of like I love the problem solving aspect of it. Um, so as a woman, I still do the same course as as men. It's just like my time will be longer. And then of course that's the whole like like I'm I'm pretty optimistic and maybe this is like depending on people's perception about science, this might be dumb to say, but I do feel like like the the gap between men and women are not as big as it currently is represented in culture because women have had so many years of being told don't climb on that and like go be a lady and like Mm -hmm. you know like literally generations of that it's hard to say like what is the actual like potential of a high level female athlete because like the pool is so small that we're drawing from and a lot of women especially who start in parkour don't start out athletic in the way a lot of boys do where they've just been climbing on trees there's some of them but like it's not like a lot of frankly a lot of women that i've met who's to do parkour were like the girlfriend or like the nerdy girl or, you know, and, right. right. And, um, I think Alice, um, Popejoy, uh, Dr. Popejoy was talking about that. It's fun that, that she's now done that she can actually use the correct title. Her, she was talking about that in her research about, I just completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> um, so <Darn> it. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. You're sick. It's, it's all good. Um, but yeah, so like, so oh, like, wait, 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 I got it. I got, I got it. So, <laughs> so she made the point, uh, like a year ago at our retreat, she made the point that, yeah, she was counting faces. I don't know if you saw the session where she was. She, yes. Yeah. So she said, um, you know, she like had to wait. 10% or something like yeah, that. Yeah. And, and then yeah. she said, but what's not clear is, yes, they're in the photo. She was just counting faces in photos for a complicated reason. And she said, yeah, but what you really can't tell is how many people, uh, how many of those women are there, you know, because they're really into parkour or because they're like almost the plus one. And Totally. I like I would say uh, you haven't met Tracy. Did I, we did this conversation already? Do we have this conversation while recording? No. So Tracy <laughs> does parkour, and I would definitely say Tracy does parkour. Period. Not Tracy is also following me because like we go to events right. and she goes. We've been in different groups. She trains all day, so she's totally doing it of her own. You know, she's there for herself. Um, so she would definitely count. But you can't tell from a photograph whether that person is there. Because, oh, well, my boyfriend's going or my husband's going, so I'm going along. And yeah, I do some beginner stuff, but I'm really not training. I'm just playing. So 
do you find that there are, I would, I would assume that in competition, there aren't new women who are just playing around. They're, they're really involved, but that it's, it's definitely, it's evolved to the point now where, where the women that are doing it are competitive athletes. Um, but I've definitely been in there in the years where it's like women kind of like testing the waters with competition and like, okay, maybe I'll try it because people are encouraging me to. So I've seen both sides of it. Um, I do think there's a, a really positive reason to have women's division versus men division, men's division, which is basically representation. If you, if you want more women, you'd show more women doing it and then more women will do it. You know, that's, that to me is a very clear equation, but do I think in the long term should we have that division? I'm open to it not existing. I don't know if it will happen in my generation, but it would be really cool if it didn't. And I have no idea what that answer is, you know, like, but I think it's, it has a very good purpose right now. There's a, a woman whose name escapes me because I might not know it. Uh, I was in a breakout group last art of a treat. And uh, we were tasked with coming up with uh, strategies for something like uh, in, in getting more women involved in parkour it was like a you know breakout and brainstorm and one of the things that she pointed out and so i was trying to think of her name because i doesn't give credit for the idea but this is not my idea she says something to the effect of like well one of the big things that you always hear is cultivate leadership in or cultivate leaders among the women that are already in your organization and her point was like why what if they don't want to be leaders like why is it just because i happen to be female and i'm here that i then have to be the I've banner had that experience too. Uh, and yeah. so what i was going to say is like um you seem the kind of person who doesn't mind being you know, thrust into leadership role but um my first question was like do you mind have you been thrust into leadership role and then yeah. like a bigger question like how do you see that actually playing out what are your thoughts on that yeah yeah um that's a really great question because i've definitely a lot of it's been growing into what is called of me. Um, because when I, okay. So when I first moved to Colorado, there was like, Hey, you're a female. We could totally use like a strong female to be like a leader. And I don't think I realized at the time, but I really rebelled against that. Um, and it was, and there was, there was like personal stuff for me. Like I grew up very much a tomboy. So I didn't really feel like I identified with a lot of women. So it felt like kind of like forced and awkward. I've since worked on do you mind if I ask how old you were when, when that position was kind of forced at you and you're like, meh, meh like, you know, just... uh, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I don't remember exactly. Okay. So I'm 29 now. And I think that was about eight, seven, probably seven years ago. Cause like, yeah. Cause Christopher and I have been together for years. I'm, I'm, I was just curious. Like I'm trying to decide whether like it's a 16 year old girl or a 22 oh, yeah, yeah, year old yeah. girl. No, who I, was, like, I, yeah, I, mean, I started I parkour. 16, but, like, yeah. I started parkour when I was like 20. Just trying to get yeah. a feel for like how old you were, you know, like, like a, like a 50 year old woman. And you said, you're your leader. Like, you know, they would have no problems like ignoring you. I was just wondering how old you were. Roughly. Yeah. I think probably 22, 20, 23 at that point. So it's, it's, it's a very delicate thing about representation, right? Because I, I'm, I don't really like the wording like girl parkour, right? Like I, I get, I, I get the purpose of that hashtag so you can like search for it and like, I want to look at a woman doing it. So like, it makes sense. But the, the self-identification as a female athlete to me is very different than being an athlete who's female. My biggest gripe of working at a gymnastics gym uh, down in San Diego was they literally would if a girl came in, they'd be like, oh, you're a girl, go do gymnastics or, oh, you're a boy, go do parkour. And like, so I've had that experience. And then also I've had, ish, I've had the experience of as a, as a female coach, parents coming up and being like, wow, I'm so glad that there's a, a, a female coach here. Female and like, model. Yeah. And it's, and I get what they're saying. And also it's like, you're kind of, to some degree, I wonder, I don't know the answer to this, but I wonder if people are 
putting that into their kids' minds. Like you as a girl are different. Well, they have you to be putting it in. The kids aren't born with that. Like kids develop all those. The parents have to be putting it in or, or culture puts it in like, and they have to fight it yeah. out. Yeah. I mean, I, I won't lie. Like obviously as we grow up, a big part of, of growing up in, in youth is like discovering like, oh, girls are different than boys. Like that's obviously like there for evolutionary, you know, reasons, mating reasons and stuff. But yeah, like there, there's definitely an encouragement for like, don't feel safe unless there's a, a girl with you in the class or if there's a girl instructor or so yeah, I, I like representation when it's like images of women doing things, but it's not like female is written all over, you know, because it's, it's, it's unnecessary. It's like they're just existing because that's obvious and they would do that. I'm running through. I'm running through thoughts. I'm running through anecdotes. I'm like, do I want to tell a racy anecdote? And no, I don't mean like it's just like so um, one of the things that I think is really great about the parkour community, I'll name drop, Leah Valley Parkour. Is that we have a really strong women's representation in the group, and I don't mean necessarily strong like they're all super high athletes, but strong like they're they're great people and everybody helps each other and like oh, and they happen to be female. It's like it's just mm-hmm. not a thing. But one of the things that's great about it is occasionally uh, we used to have a different slightly different age cutoff, and the outdoor classes used to be quite big, something like thirty people at a class, and Adam would be like, whoa. But we recently, eh, a couple years ago, we had a class where we had like some teenage boys, I don't know, like maybe fourteen or maybe even 15 and we're in a class and, and we had like, classes were like half women and half men. And we had, I don't know, I forget how it worked out, but suddenly there were like five, maybe six women who all just like the grouping happened to be. And like this 15 year old kid got stuck with like five women and he's like 15 and the women are all like maybe 18 to uh, maybe I shouldn't say how old my wife is, but I'm 47. So you can figure it out. Right. So like, these are the age ranges and Adam gave us like this wacky climbing challenge. And all the women are like, Oh, well, we're not messing up our shirts. So I'll take their shirts off. Right. Mm. And the, the kid was just like, Whoa, squirm bill. What's with, you know? And, and I'm just like, wow. Like, I mean, I know that that exists that like when you're that age, cause I, I kind of remember being that old that you're just like, Whoa, like, I'm like, dude, it's not even like bathing suits, right? It's all like, you know, sports equipment. Mm-hmm. And, and it was just like, so strange to see him squirm. And then like 10 minutes later, he wasn't squirming when he, when he realized that like this girl had this great thing, this suggestion. And then, and then like this person climbed and did something that he couldn't even imagine doing. It was just like 15 minutes later, he was yeah, like, yeah, oh, they're great. human beings, right? <laughs> exactly. And I was yep, just like, I, was just thinking. I mean, I don't know that they just, that those five people, those five women just fixed him. Cause I, I don't want to say he's broken. It was just a kid, it was just a guy. Um, but like that one little experience, 10 minutes. So was that parkour that did it? I'm like, no, it was just like these people thrown together. But then the flip side of that is like, why should it fall to those five girls mm-hmm. to have to fix him? Well, it's like, oh, we just want to train. Like, why do we have to deal with that? Like, there's no situation where five guys get thrown together and like you stick a 15 year old girl in there and like, they're going to somehow help her. It's like, it's always seems to be like the women have to be the adults in the room. Like, so that's always like how it seems to come out. And I, I don't know if that's just that women tend to be more mature, you know, at the same age or like something, but there's always like this strange situation where it's like always thrust on the women, even if they don't realize that this is what's happening. Like in that situation, I don't think they realized that they were like, you know, fixing, you know, fixing his issues. Um, totally. But like, that's what actually happened. So like, why does it, I, mean, I kind of know why, but like, it seems weird that women like, oh, nope, sorry, you have to also fix the, all the guys, you know what I mean? Well, I think it's, I mean, I think parkour is just like a representation of of our greater culture. You know, like I think quite often we think of it like, oh, parkour is like, there's all this 
gender issues going in parkour. It's like, no, that's just happening in life. Like, and we're just seeing we'll an aspect of it. <laughs> right, yeah. Like having grown up in Seattle and then moving to Boulder when I moved to San Diego, which is a much more conservative culture, it was like this huge culture shock of like, oh, I'm actually getting kind of like looked down on for being female and doing this sport and not as, you know, like there isn't as much leeway for like, like people would be like, wow, you suck, you know, as opposed to like, wow, I just see that there's a difference, you know, like, so there, there was a whole, there's a whole thing going on about that. And I had another thought that was in my head. Oh, good. It's not, just, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's infectious. Well, what I was going to say is, um, there, there are only a tiny few places where I can think of where women have a solid, clear advantage. Go ahead, go. Oh, so I think it's, it's very popular right now for us to be like, oh yeah, girl power. And like, let, let's have, and like, let's talk about how women can be empowered. Um, but, uh, there's, we're just not talking about what's going on on like the male side of it. Like, I do think it's a very like, for lack of better wording, yin yang type relationship with, this is badly said, but like women needing to develop power and men needing to develop vulnerability. That's like a super generalization, but you kind of get the picture of it. And that's something I love parkour for is I actually remember interviewing David Ivey um, for this documentary that's I'm working on. Ooh, yeah, we need to, <laughs> can we um, just talk about that. Yeah, he just expressed that with, with parkour as, as a, a man, he really got to experience vulnerability because you can't have that much ego in parkour or else you hurt yourself <laughs> yeah, and yeah. then you look like an idiot and that just it humbles you real fast, right? And there's such a positive culture in parkour for men where they're like hugging and loving and experiencing, uh, you know, a lot of emotions that don't happen outside of parkour as far as I can tell, or at least like aren't displayed as openly. So I really see parkour as a very healing platform for, for men and for women. And yeah, so that, I guess that was my point about like, there. I don't think it does fall on women. I think different things fall on women and different things fall on men. But I think we, because our culture is very like, Ooh, girl power. Like that's, and like, obviously like I'm not bashing feminists at all in that. <laughs> like, like I'm, I'm all about equality. So I should hope. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. What else do you... I'm watching. Sorry, we're, we're momentarily slightly distracted because we're both looking to see. I think the night, the night activities are winding down, so people may be coming in soon. Do you want to talk about the documentary quickly, yeah. like the idea of the documentary? Get the yeah. Idea out there? Um, so currently the working title is Be Useful, which is obviously you know part of To Be Strong, To Be Useful. And for me, it's... it's, it's a, yeah, it's an exploration on what that's, that really means. Because I think we'd usually associate that with a, a physical, like, I'm going to learn parkour so that I can be strong and be useful and I will save someone out of a burning building, right? That's like the way it, the first thought of it is. But I've had so many, like David Ivey being one of those stories of like, he literally was able to create a community experience and create like a elevated level of compassion with, with friends because of this. Like I would say that's a very useful experience in today's age. And then I have a really good friend in Colorado who overcame breast cancer and she's a mom and like her whole family now does parkour. And the thing that like really stuck out to her was she, she specifically remembers being like in the hospital watching parkour videos. And that was like something that got her through it. And you know, one and um was she doing parkour? Like why was she watching videos? Was she doing parkour she, before I she went in? I think she was I don't actually honestly don't know the answer to that. I think she it was started out as a fascination and now she's at now it's something that's like very much a part of who she is and a part of like her her health journey. And that's someone like that's you're not gonna when you search parkour on YouTube, you're not gonna see like, you know, a 40, 50 year old mom with like two kids, you know, do all that, right? And so 
those are the stories I want to capture. And I really want to transform the way we relate to parkour from like, oh, it's a daredevil sport to like, oh, it's actually like art of retreat is there's not really a daredevil aspect to it. You know, like no one associates that, you know, as a, as a good example. And even, yeah, like that's, it's such a surface level thing of parkour and such a small niche of parkour. I want people to see parkour in the same way they see maybe like rock climbing, you know, like there's like the elite athletes who are climbing these gigantic boulders and stuff. And, and then there's, you know, like me who climb a little boulders and fall three feet. Right? <laughs> but like the, you know, like the most people, when they think of rock climbing, they think of climbing gyms, or they think of like going out and messing around outside. And like, you know, it's, it's a, it's a like open experience. So yeah, I think there's, there's a whole culture shift that needs to happen. And I'm just hoping to Highlight create a dent that, on that. Right, yeah. Right, right. And it's so hard because it's actually really hard to, to pick what I want to do. Cause I, the more I like have been like, it's, it's been about two years now of this kind of culminating and there's just so many good, yeah, there's so many good stories though. Like there's like a spirit concrete and then there's like, um, PK silver. And then there's like, that would be Kasturi Torquia and Nancy Lorenz who are also on my list. They're amazing. Yeah, there's just so much. Like, and even Brandy in the way that she like represents her whole life with basically like she calls herself being tactical punk, mm-hmm. right? Like that's her like her own style of punk. And she like literally is like obsessed with being like useful. And and then there's like the whole conversation about age and like there's so many ways that that parkour has positively affected people. Hmm. Um yeah. and it's it's hard to choose. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well we everybody will definitely well, she must. I expect that everyone will hear more about that as, as the project develops. And we're not, there, there are maybe more, but we're like, just leave it at that. So people have heard the idea. And I, I think we'll probably, uh, Cordelia and I will probably come back to that with another interview at some point yeah. um, when the project develops. So we'll be like, okay, let's talk about the details. Blah, blah, blah. Let's see, moving on. I had another idea about that. I always feel like I'm wasting people's time. I'm like, um, what are we talking about next? Uh, You're human. That's so weird. <laughs> what? Thoughts and, oh, I just, I just laugh when, Oh, I thought so you said just you having were... human moments. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> I, I have terrible hearing, and I thought you said you're hearing, and I'm oh, like, hey, no. hey, 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 hey. <laughs> close to home. Um, anyway, what are you going to talk about next? <laughs> Let's talk about age. That's a fun conversation. I'm pretty obsessed with that one too. Mm, age. Okay, I'll go first. <laughs> yeah. I I really do think you lose your you lose your freaking mind when you get old. So, because my I just went like, what month is it? It's September. My birthday's in September. Yes, I just turned forty seven. Um, and I suspect the three people who ever hear this, right? <laughs> this is not much audience, but the people who listen, you are like forty seven. Oh my god! All right. So basically, forty seven is the first year I have felt old. I turned forty seven. I had to buy glasses, and it was like as so I work work on computers like for many years. That's what I've always done. And it got to be like two o'clock in the afternoon. I'm like, El Scrinsville. And I'm like, I'm working on high-end monitors with nice fonts and I can't see it anymore. So now I have little cheater glasses from the drugstore, you know, with one and a half diopter on them so that I can read the text on my iPhone. And it, it's just like one of these things where, yeah, I don't want to, I don't like to get preachy, but I'm older than half the people on the planet now. And so I'm like, okay, looking back at the other half of you, you're going to be old before you know it. And I'm telling you, every minute, not every last minute, but most of the minutes you spent playing video games, I didn't spend a lot, but I would love to have them back. I'm like, you know, I played Diablo when it came out on the Mac and it was freaking awesome. But I played way too much Diablo on the Mac. I'm like, would love to have some of that time back. So there there are things like, um, so I've been changing what I've been eating. I'm not going to go into gory detail, but like the, the more the more that I eat better and better, the more like, like health is getting better. And every once in a while I eat something that's not so good. 
and then I wind up like on the floor in the bathroom and it's Definitely just like, noticed that. like I'm like oh, being almost 30 oh. now like just not like not that I've like I'm not I'm still no yeah but really I'm like, young, but I'm I'm like experiencing why that. did like, I eat that fish and chips like you get know, away like, with eating pop tarts all the time <laughs> yeah. pop tarts but like I like I I liked I used to really like fish and chips I went to England ate fish and chips everywhere I was like go to the best fish and chip place and then the other day I had fish and chips and I I like I ate half of the first one and I was like eh, I think the oil is the freshest or you know like I'm not like a guru about oils but I was like meh and then I ate the rest mm-hmm. of it and then at like three in the morning I'm on the floor and I'm just like you know, is this really worth having eaten the fish and chips? How many times are you going to, it's like, for me, I don't want to like make light of bulimia, but I have the other problem. I'm, I'm just like, I often, I often say like, I, w- I want to get a virus that makes me hate food. I'm like so <laughs> sick of like, just like, oh, I ate the whole thing. So I'm constantly like, I do intermittent fasting every day. I never eat before 1130 or after 730. It's like calorie restrictions all the time. And then I come here and it's like, uh, well, I don't have access to my normal food. So I'm eating too much. I'm, I'm eating under stress. And it's just like, the older you get, it's like, I get, I get this flu and normally you'd be like, yeah, three days, four days and chicken soup and back to it. And now it's like a week later, I'm coughing. I'm pretty convinced I now have pneumonia. I had, I once got actual pneumonia, a great physician. He goes, yeah, dumbass, you have pneumonia. And I'm like, oh, and he goes, and you're walking around. I'm like, oh, I guess what we call that, walking pneumonia. I'm like, thanks. How much did that just cost me? Gives me a Z-pack. And he's like, and the other bonus point is once you get pneumonia, every time you get bronchitis, you basically get pneumonia again. So now I'm looking forward to going home to that. But I, it's just like this slow, the things just wear out. Like I normally, I used to shave like every day and then I get a little lazy. And I, I don't know where I was, but like, I walk into the bathroom, you know, and like, I look in the mirror and I'm like, holy shit, I have like gray hair on my face. I'm like, when did that happen? Like, I don't remember being gray, you know, and it's just like, oh, all right, well, I guess that's where I am. And then this is like, I remember my dad at one point, like shaving his mustache off and like starting to dye his beard hair. And I'm like, oh God, I like you, it's just so weird. It like things sneak up on you so slowly. So I, I think that's another reason why I love parkour so much because the community is so, the, the global community is so accepting. People, it is getting to the point now where it's getting a little old. People are like, oh my God, so you're so inspiring. And I'm like, oh, shut up, you know. But it, <laughs> I mean, like seriously, it's like, uh, I, I don't want to say I understand, but I think I really understand what it's like when people say to women, it's so inspiring to see because totally, people yeah, say to me, I'm like, that. wow, if women find it half as annoying as I find this, oh my God, I need to apologize to every girl that I ever said, it's so great to see you doing parkour. I mean, it's two-sided, right? Like I definitely think there's the people giving that compliment need to be like aware of how it's like why right. they're giving that compliment. But then it's also at the same yeah, time, they like they're being yeah. honest. But, but then at the same time, I think it is also on us. Like, again, like it's our perception of ourselves. Like, like it's very common for girls to, to, or even when I get those compliments, like not just be like, no, I'm not that good. Stop. You know, like, and that's like the honest thing is like the refusal of accept, accepting the compliments. Yeah. But, the imposter syndrome. kind of. Yeah, thing. exactly. It's, Did you, so you brought great. up, I, I have another thing I'm going to talk about, um, mm-hmm. which, which is really cool. I think really cool, but you brought up age. Did you have something, this is so weird. I'm like, did you have something in particular you wanted to ask about being old? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm okay. So <laughs> No, it's not not like I'm like tell me about age. Um but I'm <laughs> I'm really I'm really fascinated by the concept. This is again this is going to sound terrible, but like the physical retardation that happens with age. Yeah. Right? I know it doesn't sound like the worst thing ever. Um but like <laughs> but like you know <laughs> no idea. <laughs> yeah, it's like and it is very it's very hypothetical for me, you know, at this point as someone who 
started being athletic when I was in early twenties, right? Like I, I think I caught, you know, caught that. Um, and there's a very disempowering conversation. Like it's, there's a disempowering conversation in our culture about age, which is like, why bother? And you know, like, yeah, don't be, yeah, exactly. Like once, I'm too, once your ankles are weak, you're never going to do it again. Yeah. Like, the, so there's that. And there's, there's definitely got to be some sort of bias around that, but then it's like, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just interested in that because I, I would love to see, like, personally, I would love to, to still be doing parkour and I'm 60 or 70 and like still doing really beastly things when I'm at those, that age. And cause a lot of parkour is fear-based. It's not even like physically hard. Like you can do very high end technical stuff without having high impact. Right. right. But Again, for me, it's very hypothetical of like wh what is reality and what is, you know, like excitement and expectation. Around. So that, I don't know, that's that's kind of the, the concept there, because in a perfect world, I'd love it to be like, yeah, let's just abolish the whole thing where when you get older, like, I don't know, the example that keeps popping in my head is like when seniors take stairs out of their houses or all of a sudden the dishes are lower, you know, or like you, <laughs> you stop walking to the grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> but like... But you move, right? So right, like pe right. the people stop moving Staff in the back patio, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a little different. Right. And like, I remember at, in junior high, all of a sudden we stopped playing in the playground. We just walked around, the, you know, like, or, or right before junior high, like fifth or sixth grade, like when recess was, it just like all of a sudden you, you don't play anymore. You just right. walk around and hang out with your girlfriends. Yep. Like, well, I didn't hang out with my girlfriends. Well, you didn't, but <laughs> I was like a dork. nobody hung out with me. I mean, I, I mostly played Star Wars in like second and third grade. So like there's a whole nother level of dirt nerd to that as a tangent. But um but yeah, you get the you get the point of like the picture I'm trying to paint is like where how far can can we expand on breaking that stereotype of like why bother and I'm never gonna be very good and I'm just getting old to what is the reality? I think there seems to be a balance. So as long as one's actual age is balanced with how or, or balanced with your expectations. So for example, when I started parkour, I was yes, 40 or maybe 41, I'm not doing the math. So let's say I started when I'm 40, but my expectations were 30, right? That was really demotivating. And no matter what the coaches, no matter what, no matter how much the coaches said, dude, that was really good. Like, cause they, they look at, they look at the condition I was in like, that was actually really good. That was uh, way better than last week. And no matter, and every time somebody in class said, dude, that's really good. Like, I'll be, I'll be like, Get away from me. That was horrible. Like, cause my brain was like, well, I know what a 30 year old should do. I think I'm 30. So like, totally. as long as you can manage, this is my, my takeaway at 47 is that if you, if you have the right balance, cause I, I now I'm telling you, I have the right balance. I know what I can do. I know exactly how much it's going to cost. Like, like physiologically, if I run around in the dark in the woods, I'm going to eventually smash my toes, you know? And like, if they're in balance, it's just, it's just awesome. Like you don't, I don't, I don't like run at the speed I run at and think like, Oh my God, I'm so slow. I'm just like, Hey, I, I'm actually, I can, I can run like this is I'm like, I don't like running, but like I can run, you know, it's like, as long as those two are in balance, then I don't think I'm going to mind that I'm getting slower or taking lower impacts as I get older, as long as I still feel like that was an appropriate level of challenge for my current age. So I, I think when I started, because I started out of shape and I started late for most people, um, that was really hard to to learn to bring that balance, that mental um, in, uh, anticipation is the wrong word, the mental expectation, that I didn't have the right expectation to go with the physicality. So I think that is probably something that says, I don't think society did that to me. I think I just kind of like sat on the sofa too much and then, you know, my, I was still thinking I'm 20, 25, 30, and really I'm older than that. Um, so I, that would be my, 
my read on age is like it, like people have always said, you're only as old as you feel. No, that's not true. That's absolutely not true. Like there's a, you're always going to feel like you're 60, but I want to feel like I'm a 60 that is doing things that I feel like I should be doing at 60. And as long as those two co uh, coincide, then I think it's going to be fine. The other side of the coin though is you get to be like at this point, I'm like, okay, I really should figure out whether I'm going to be buried or cremated and like what's going to happen when I die. Like it's, you start thinking about these things and it's like, that's kind of like lame or, mm. you know, it like comes up. I mean, I don't, I don't like look at a jump and think I could die here. Like I'm not having that fear thought. It's just this right. question of like, yeah, the Grim Reaper's coming. Everybody knows they're going to die. But like when you're 20, you don't, you don't get it. Like I didn't, it's like, I used to think I didn't get it. I'm like, no, 20 year olds don't get it. When the 80 year old people look back at us today and they say youth is wasted, like they're right. It's like, you really do get this different perspective when you look back. So it's like, I don't want my childhood back. Oh no, I don't want to. And everybody <laughs> says, I don't want to do over, no do overs. You know, it's like, I managed to not screw up too bad. So I'm, you know, happy with the path that I took. Anyway, I'm like choking to death, coughing. I think it's interesting what you're saying because Oh, good, because I think I sound like I'm talking through my hat. <laughs> no, like, like what it reminds me of is at least the whole relationship of like challenge and like expectations is that's basically the equation for flow state. And like regardless of people's backgrounds in parkour and where they started, that's basically like the over, you know, overlaying message that people get to why of the people who stay in parkour is because they experience that like flow state the one this experience of being in loving their body and like in order to love your body and feel good about like what's going on and like have that intrinsic motivation it's because you have a realistic expectation versus challenge and it's like a little like i think it's like i think it's like a what or five percent more challenge it's like some like percentage of like how much more challenge it should be than um your current skill level I can't remember the actual like number, but it's not a very high percentage. But it's like just enough more to be like, ooh, what if I did that? As opposed to like, oh no, I don't know if I could do that. Yeah, like just make it interesting. And so, because that, that's exactly like my, again, like talking about competition, that's been my experience of, of why I now use competition as a way to experience flow state, even though like it occurs as really scary right before showing up. And then all of a sudden you're at the starting line, you're like, okay, go. And then it's like, oh, flow state. And you just jump right into it. It's because I learned how to, balance that like expectations and and what are appropriate challenges for me and like how to visualize you know and work towards those challenges and so yeah parkour is cool <laughs> well played golf clap sitting in the dark I mean, we're obviously biased that. here but <laughs> yeah. um I have an idea that I have in my head that I'm like, I'm like looking for somebody to like run this up the flagpole. So let's do it with a microphone. This is a great idea. Um, okay. I'm not quite trying to put this in the words. So, um, this isn't like weird or sketchy or anything. It's just like, I'm not quite trying to say this. Everybody, everybody, everybody says like parkour is like, what is it about parkour? That's so special. I don't understand. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm like sketch out something here. So when you start doing parkour or, or call it art, when you start, it's like, this is fun. And you hit and you like bash your shin. You're like, Oh my God, like this is like reality. Right? So right in the beginning, it's, it's like one person, it's one self and the objective reality. And yeah, we're in a group, but like, it's me and the thing. So you are forced. There is no option. You are forced to learn, to observe your reality, right? 
how high is the thing? How far is the thing? How sharp is it? Is it rocks? Is it gravel? Is it thing? How, you know, like every single thing that is outside of you, you become a master. And then tangent, I always make the joke. I turned my ADD, my attention deficit disorder into OAD, obstacle attraction disorder. Everybody does parkour. You're all laughing, right? You're all like, yep. And you can always spot. That's how you find parkour people. They're touching walls. They're looking up. They're looking at environmental spaces, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So this is my, my first premise is that when you start parkour, you're forced to focus on the environment. Okay. Then you go to like interme intermediate land. You get really good at that. You're like, you know, text, you can like, oh, that, that rail's gonna be slippery. That one's, that's, that's anti skipping. This is a concrete whole thing. You can spot all that stuff. You're really good at it. And then you use that to perform. So like I'm gonna jump, I'm gonna run, I'm gonna climb. All these things, you know what you can do. You can fit them in your environment. So first you see the environment. Then this next stage, you're able to assess the environment as, as how you're gonna move in it. Okay, here's my, my thing that I was trying to like bring up. I think that what makes parkour special is the part that we don't notice, which is what I was just talking about. Everybody knows that those things happen, but you get to the part where you just like, I, I love life. I love parkour. It's great. And the only thing I changed was I started doing parkour and I just love it. It's so awesome, but I don't know what's great about it. And here's what's great about it. If you develop that perspective on the environment, you then do the following thing without ever noticing. You look at everybody else differently. So in the beginning, you look at people, the guy who cut you off on the highway, right? but afterwards you see people in their environment, right? So you look at people who never take the stairs and you go, their life would be so much better if they were in a little better shape so they could just take the steps, but they got in the elevator, right? And before you only saw people as like being intrinsically motivated. You saw that person cut me off because they were an expletive as opposed to that person cut me off because they're unhappy or like, so you get to this point where you have a different relationship with all the people. And I don't want to say like you have pity on everybody in the world, but like I, I no longer get mad at drivers who can't drive. I'm, I have pity on them because totally. I remember when my life was so bad that I drove like that. And I think what happened was it's just a side effect of observing the environment that gives you perspective I mean, literally perspective in the beginning, but then perceptually you get this, this emotional perspective and then, oh, well, now you've leveled up and learned that you can't unlearn it. Then you figuratively turn around and you interact with everybody else on the planet. And guess what? You have more perspective. So you interact with them. You're able to empathize with them. You're able to understand them more. And I think it's literally just this parkour makes you ignore the people and focus on the environment. And then you get so good at that. that it becomes this subconscious thing. And then when you go back to the people, it's just like, oh, the whole world is better. I feel better. And it's because you've, you've changed. So I don't know. Like, and if you're wondering where did I get that idea from, I made it up. No, I read an article where somebody was talking about using learning to observe to overcome fear. So like um, the, I don't want to name drop where I got it because I don't want to get it wrong. But it was, the idea was, for example, if you're nervous about speaking in front of people, don't imagine them all naked. Imagine the space is empty. Or if you're nervous, like some people get the skin crawly anxiety when they go into a mall just because of the mobs of people, just imagine the space empty. And usually when you imagine the space with no people, you're totally free. You go into your, like your workplace office at night and you like just roam through freely and it's called kind of, you know, it's the spaces without the other people, it's like an empty woods. As long as you're not nervous about tigers or something, you just, you just move freely in that space. Bring people into the environment and suddenly you have anxieties and these other things that appear within you. So this article that I read, a little short thing, was talking about using a visualization exercise 
observe the environment, ignore the people. And then when you develop that skill, when you can do that, then you can figuratively allow the people back into the environment and still maintain the relationship between them and the environment. And they were, they were discussing this as a way to overcome anxieties caused by public speaking or anxiety being in crowded places. And then I went, wait a minute, that's like exactly like, cause, mm. because he's saying you have to go learn to be an observer. And I'm like, oh my God, I went to parkour classes for years. And guess what? It makes you become a really good observer. I mean, like a really good observer. You walk into an architectural space and, and everybody out there, they're all like, nodding. yep. You, you see everything. You see the lines. You see the spaces. You see the negative spaces. You see how people are using the space, right? We talk about this all the time. Everybody's here. How comes nobody, you, how do you people not jump on that rail? Look at this thing. It's gorgeous. And they're, I mean, they're just like, it's just a railing. Nobody sees it. And we all see it. And we all see how they see it. Where do you think you got the ability to interpret someone else's interaction with the environment? Where did that come from? Could you do that when you were 12? I couldn't. <laughs> and, I, and I think, and I'm, I'm not trying like, I was just like, I started thinking about this. I'm like, well, that's really interesting because it, it and the, the reason I'm excited about this is first of all, I think it's actually true. I have an idea that's right. But I, I also think it's cool because this means you can't screw this up. If you teach someone parkour to jump, you can't miss teaching them how to be a good observer. It's like, it's not going to work. They have to be a good observer. And once they have that, the part where their life gets better just happens automatically. So my question for you, Cordelia, <laughs> after that giant diatribe is, what do you think? Like, do you know, mm. does that sound, I mean, it, it probably sounds plausible, but like un, unpack it a little bit. Um, <laughs> You're wrapped. <laughs> <laughs> well, definitely, I, I'm definitely thinking on it. Um, instinctually, yes, is the, is the word that comes to mind. Um, I, I've never thought of it in that way, which is great. Um, what it reminds me of is just things like, like it's been proven that spatial awareness correlates with intelligence in like, also it's been proven that like extreme sports athletes have a higher reaction time. You talk about like driving in a car, like higher, like quicker or higher, like quicker, uh, quicker yeah, okay. not higher, uh, quicker, yeah, <laughs> higher up, you know, uh, a quicker reaction time. Right. So like I have that exact experience we're talking about when I'm driving down the street and somebody like cuts me off. It's not, it's not like, I'm mad at them, just like, oh, they didn't see me, you know, or like there, there's... But did you used to get mad at them? Do you, do you remember a Cordelia who used to like, you know? I mean, maybe playfully. I never was like a super road rage type person, mm. but, um, but yeah, there's, there's just like, oh, okay, so here's a really good example is like, if you ever had someone be mad at you because you're doing something they perceive as unsafe, that it's so out of their oh, comprehension. God. Duh. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's, it is so, it's so funny. Cause like, I mean, I've, I've had experiences like I'm, I'm there balancing on a rail and like, you know, woman comes up and she's, you know, like soccer mom style to stereotype it. Right. And <laughs> no, no, we can stereotype soccer mom walks up. And yeah, it's, it's just like upset and like, Get down, you're going to hurt yourself. Yeah, exactly. And, and like, I remember I was, I'm starting to work on descents. Um, oh, that's another thing that's a little sketchy in my butt. I, don't oh, I love it's they're they're awesome, and also I totally suck at them. So it's mostly climbing, not like dynamic movement at this point. But as someone who likes climbing, it's like oh, that makes sense. But we were doing this descent uh, a group of people in Seattle, and one of the guys. I think it was Quinn. So Quinn was not that matters. You don't know Quinn, but like Quinn was there just like, you know, in a cat hang and this woman walks up the spiral staircase and she's like, what are you doing? I should push you off. <laughs> yeah, that would increase the safety of this activity. I know. It's like, why would you have that reaction? Like, not only are you so upset by this, you want to physically hurt. <laughs> make and this it, work. Yeah. And yeah, it's just, it's just moments like that where I'm like, 
you literally don't get it. <laughs> it's like a blind spot. It's like they, they are so unaware of well, see, the you know, experience. My, my repose to that is, well, you know, and I'm not trying to belittle what you said, but like my, my, like I like to try ideas on. I'm like, well, let's see, in this situation, that means that she doesn't understand what he's doing. And what I'm like, oh, it works perfectly. She looks at him and all she sees is some crazy guy hanging like off danger. a thing. Right, in danger. And, and like you and I would look at that and go like, I mean, I go, I don't want to do that, but I, I totally see how, like, why he's there. Like, well, look, that's actually a nice place to do it. Ascent, like a, a death, drop. Descent. Yeah. And he was just like hanging, you know, it wasn't like he was like looking sketchy from our perspective, just in a cat hang, relaxing, being like in between moving, you know, like it's, it's always the most benign stuff that, <laughs> that yeah. Another story. I, I had a, let's see, can I tell this story without getting anybody in trouble? Yeah, I think so. So uh, me and three people who I'm not going to name went to a town that I'm not going to name. And so I, I'm the story is getting more and more interesting. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like notorious for like, Oh, let's just go do this. And then like, people are like, well, all right, if Craig's going, we'll go, oh, this is fucking crazy. So I, I went to, it was basically like six high school kids in their parkour team. Like, you know where this story is already going. Six high school kids in their parkour team in like Podunk, Pennsylvania said they wanted to get together and have like a parkour jam. Right. So, and now what happened is I saw it and I went, Oh my God, that is like the last thing I would ever want to do. So in back in my martial arts days, if my teacher was late for class and I was a senior student, my parent thought is like, okay, what do I not want to do? Because whatever I don't want to do, that's what he's going to make us do. (laughs) Somebody could just like smell that. So we're going to do whatever it is that I don't want to do. That's what we're going to be caught doing when he gets here. So at least it doesn't get worse. So Mm. I saw this event. I went, I don't want to go like what? And so I'm like, I'm going. And I just like, I just said, Hey, I'll show up. So I drove like three hours and three other people came with me. So we spent the day playing and it's, it's everything. It's like, everything you can imagine it would be with a bunch of high school kids just jumping on shit and me wandering around going, what am I doing? <laughs> so we got chased by a campus police officer because we were on a college campus and we were on the college steps. Yes, yes, yes. And she caught us doing reverse queue up the stairs. This freaked her out. She chased us. Okay, we're leaving. We go. And that one looks like exercise. That one doesn't even look like something oh, do You have your crazy. hands on the ground. Are you crazy? You can't put your hands on the ground. You can put your feet there. What's the matter with you? <laughs> right. Exactly. And, and, and like, it's I not like some, you're doing flips and like a perceivably oh, dangerous like thing. Yeah. Gap the railing. All the world was going to end. I mean, people, we were even blocking mm. traffic. Anyway, she chased us. Fine. We're on private property. She chased us. So an hour later, unbeknownst to us, we happened to be on the other side of the same building. We didn't know this. We just like been all over and we're like on the back side of the same building. So I'm standing. Somebody else is standing next to me. I'm not naming names. And police officer, I know it was a woman, I don't want to make jokes, but it was a woman and she probably should have been eating less donuts for the last 15 years, but she screeches into the parking lot, skids to a halt, just like arbitrarily in the lot, leaps out of the car. Like she actually hit herself at the door, opened it, like slammed shut. She like jumps out of the car, like storm joggles over to us. And at, at what happened, so we have this little thing like, oh, you see a cop do 11 push-ups. So as she's coming in the parking lot, I start, I'm like, oh, fuck, like do 11 push-ups. I'm doing push-ups. I'm on like five or six. And she starts, she's yelling, oh, no, because we had done the same thing when she rolled up before. So she sees the same people. I'm standing, probably like she caught us standing on a sidewalk. She runs over, puts her hand on her sidearm, Pennsylvania, everybody's armed, puts her hand on her sidearm. And this isn't a taser, it's an actual gun. And she looks at me and she goes, I told you people to get, I know, oh, we're now we're you people, right? And she like, she's doing the two finger left hand point at me and the other person, right? And the other person is younger than me. And she looks at me and she goes, and you, sir, how old are you? You should know better. And I was like, 
I mean, I'm, I'm standing, like she caught me doing push-ups on a sidewalk and, and it was like, so the, the, what I'm getting at here is not like crazy Craig old person story, but what I'm getting at is the fact that I did a push-up made it worse because somehow seeing somebody do push-ups made it somehow worse. I don't know. It's just, and, and then the funny thing is she's yelling at me and this other person and we're, we're like side shuffling to try and turn her back to the other eight people who are climbing on the building that she hasn't seen. This is already really bad, right? Like, you know, a pissed off cop. And then, and like, if she turns her head to the right, we're actually going to jail. You know, So we managed to get chased the second time. I don't know if that's a great story to tell anyway. Yeah. Okay. So that was my idea about, I, I will be exploring that further. Was there anything else we wanted to talk about? Um, I had another idea, another thing I wanted to bring up. Uh, you got anything else in your bag of tricks? Yeah, I'll tangent. Um, so another oh, thing. Don't wait, just step on me. <laughs> yeah. uh, so another thing I'm really, I'm really, I've had this thought as like a, a documentary I might do. I don't, I don't know, but um, I would love to document the differences between like different countries and their laws around like private property and Whoa, liability. Like I know it's so fascinating because like you literally go over to I think in Europe. And like in England and stuff, there there is no, from what I understand it, there's no like trespassing law. It's just if you get told to go down, then you need to leave. And it's not like you're going to get thrown in jail. It's like just an offense. Yeah, there's a up. right of wander or something. They have like yeah, a right of passage. I think that's the, yeah, I think right of wander. That sounds something like a thing. Like um, we used to have a British accent when you say it, but I don't <laughs> understand. <Damn. laughs> but like. Yeah, versus in a in America, a lot of people who are doing rooftop stuff, like most people have been to jail for, <laughs> right. you know, like that's kind of the yeah, effect no, of it. I, yeah, I, I, the, how it, does that affect our, our perception of parkour and the culture's mm-hmm. perception of, yeah, all that good stuff? Well, yeah, and if you, yeah, oh my God, that's that's a huge topic. I'm, I'm thinking like, yeah, the if you go to um, every, uh, in, in, whoever's listening, you better know where that is. Uh, if you go to every, mm-hmm they have their community. It's just like, oh yeah, parkour, people jumping on stuff, you know? And Jan's like, you have to climb over the train station to me. And I'm like, no, I don't. He's like, yes, you do. <laughs> In his French accent, which I won't, I won't make fun of because, because he'll kill me. He, he like made me climb over it. Like well, I have actually been on top of the gator there. And I'm like, what the fuck am I doing on top of the tree? Like if I get caught up here, I'm going to get deported, you know? And he's just like, keep going, keep going. And I'm just like, yeah. oh my God, what am I doing? But it's just like, for them, it's like, oh look, another whack job on the roof. Like they, they just like, Oh, it's parkour. They've been like on the roofs there forever on, on things. And it's just, it becomes normalized, which I don't know if this is worth talking. I'm like, another thing. I'm, so um, I don't know about you, but ideas like sink into the mud in my head. Like the thing that's on top, I like to think about them, but eventually they just like settle in and become part of the deeper thought. And uh, Mark Turok today, uh, I was interviewing him. There's a little side story. Um, I did, we did a bunch of interviews with different presenters here at Art of Retreat for Art of Retreat's use. Um, and he had this wonderful, like, we were, exp- I was expecting to talk about the material in his topic. And then he's like, I really want to talk about this. And we went like in a different direction completely. And he was talking about normalizing older people. Look, it ties back to the older people. Normalizing older people playing in spaces. Yeah. And his challenge to people was like, go out. Like, you know, he's like, I challenge you to go out and play in a space where you feel a little uncomfortable. And maybe, and then, and then ask yourself, like, why do you feel uncomfortable? Are they, is, it, is it like a body image problem? Is it a, you don't, you, you think your balance sucks, you don't want to do it or like, you know, and, and like try and try and make other people a little uncomfortable and push that envelope of normalcy 
Because it shouldn't I be abnormal it. for a 50-year-old person to get on a swing. Before, we were, we were talking about gender differences. And the only time, another time that I know of, maybe there's another one, where I can say women have an advantage in parkour is access to playgrounds. Oh, yeah. And as a woman, I'm far less likely to get kicked off. Because like, oh, what are you doing? As opposed to, like, that's, that's, I, that's something I've definitely noticed is, is if someone is like, what are you doing over there? It's not like, hey, you man who looks menacing over there, get down from there. It's like, why are you doing that? What, what's, you know, I just yeah. don't quote unquote appear as dominating or frightening. I, I, or, I think it's funny because, I mean, maybe people know me well would call me a big teddy bear. Um, but I'm, I'm, I tend to be very, like, it's really weird. I'm really good with kids because kids love to beat on me. And I'm not, I'm not making this up. Like after like, if I visit people and they have a small child, the first day the children hide as if they think I'm going to eat them or something. And then the second, I'm like, I'm not, this is really strange. And I'm not, like, I don't give them like glaring looks. It's just like, I guess I look really big. And then by the second day, they start like showing off. Like I'll get like kids, they do like the peekaboo thing and they want my attention. And then it's like, by the third day, if it's a boy, by the third day, they hit me. Like they just start, it's like, this is like a male silverback toppled the echelon. I don't get it. But if I'm in the mood to, to like interact with children in a playground, I'm like an instigator. Like I'd be like doing some stupid gap through like a little thing, you know, and the kids are like, what are you doing? And I'm like trying to get stuck. And they're like, why? I'm like, cause I want the fireman to come rescue me. Like, I'm just like, <laughs> I'm horrible. But kids will then immediately go, well, that looks really cool. And then they, you know, try different things. And the kids don't find adult males menacing. And that's, that's probably a bad thing because they're, you know, they're, they can be innocently taken, they can be taken advantage of because of their innocence. But in general, it's the parents who like freak out, like, what are you right. doing? And why are you doing this? Why are you in this space? And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm out here for three hours in the sun just so that I can, I don't know, look at you while you're playing with, I don't, I don't, I mean, I kind of understand it, but I'm just like, wow, I'm just trying to balance, you know, like, where's the, where's the adult playground? Try and get the adult playground built in the United States. Good luck. <laughs> we'll talk to Colin McDonald. He's yeah, I'm, but he's but like but like how many has he built? Two. Okay, two. And how many how many states are there in the union? <laughs> yeah, know, I know. No, I, mean, no, I mean, I'm a, I, totally I, what you mean. Though. I want to like Colin's you know successes and what he's built is great, um, but it's but just more. like well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and and like the idea of trying to approach my local city council to like build a parkour park. You know, in this big empty grass space, they have them just like that's never going to work. I don't have to take me years to get that done. Yeah, and it's it's fun seeing people like Colin and um, and Caitlin, where they have this this grander perception of like play in space and like how we could just use architecture to keep people fit. And I think keeping out the like I think it's actually a very smart marketing thing to keep out the word parkour and just be like fitness and play and social environments and because then we're going to get what we want, which is like um playground essentially or yeah. just more i cannot say the yeah. p word while doing what i want to do yeah exactly like there's the perception of it but all right well i think we're at like if i blind us with the flashlight one more time i think we're at like an hour and a half yeah which is probably as good a place as any to stop um any last words anything interesting you're doing next next competition where you're going from here that kind of thing Oh, geez. <laughs> that's, a, that's a fun question. Well, okay. So my, my first thought was thank you because I've had a great time. Thank so, you. Thanks for the uh, opportunity. Thank, um, you for, thank you for yeah. not dodging me that much. <laughs> <laughs> I, I try to be open to <laughs> whatever people want. So in some, you know, some capacity. Um, what's it called? What's the, I guess my brain's getting frazzled after an hour and a half well, of talking. Yeah, but well, um, yeah, and it's like what, a, what you're called to do. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, but 
the last thing that I, the thing that I'm up to next is going to compete at Air Whip, which I've never done before. And I have just put in my video submission, which I'm super nervous about. Mm. And I didn't make it in last year. Um, like I put in the video submission last year and then I didn't qualify, but then they're like, actually people have been dropping out because they can't buy tickets. There's too expensive to buy tickets from, you know, it's a very mm. short window from when they, you know, accept qualify oh, their right, athletes. Right. So you're them. basically buying a ticket at the last minute unless you yeah. really want to gamble. Yeah. And, and people are like, I'm not going to spend like 800 bucks, right? You know, like or whatever. Right, right, right. Um, and so this year, like a couple months ago, I was like, I'm just going to buy a ticket to Air Whip this year and do it and totally throw my hat over the wall mm. and use that as a way to kick my butt and train. And now I'm in freak out mode because <laughs> I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, oh no, it's happening. I really have to and go, just, right? Yeah, I really have to go. And I really have to, uh, like my, my, my goal is to get back fulls at some point in air in just once. If I could throw a back full of Air Whip on hard ground, that'd be the coolest thing ever. And I don't know if that'll happen, but that's the game I'm playing right now. And cool, fear pushing myself—that's that's that's well, what I like to do. That's what we're all into. All, all right, right. <laughs> we're we're so silly. Hour and a half of me coughing. Oh, I I'm, I really really apologize, but I'm telling you, the hardest part of of the whole recording and podcasting is just getting a chance to sit down with people. So it's like we're here, and the opportunity we wanted to talk for a while, and I'm like, okay, except for the fact where I'm coughing. This is the moment. So yeah, exactly. Um, it was a pleasure to talk to you. I'm sure we will speak again, both on microphone and off. And uh, until then, it was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. This was episode 31. For more information, go to moversmindset.com/slash 31. While you're there, please consider supporting the project. Thanks for listening.